Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Good morning, St. Louis. It's June the 2nd. Can you believe it's June already, John Hancock? June the 2nd. Yes, I can. It's, uh, well, the baseball season is well underway now, and things are maybe looking up a little bit, so yeah. Yeah, and the heat came just in time for June, so I guess summer's officially underway in St. Louis. We've got the humidity. Now, they say it's going to blow out of here this weekend. Good. It's still going to be warm. Yep. Uh, so get out and enjoy it because we all know what's coming. It's going to be as hot as the inside of your mouth here pretty soon. Very hot out there. I had an early morning this morning, Michael. I had to get up at 5 a.m. What? Yeah. Why? Well, I had On to, purpose? I had to take my daughter, my only daughter, uh-huh. uh, pick her up in Wildwood and drop her off at the Southwest Terminal at Lambert Airport Oh boy! for a flight to Chicago. Where she and my... Well, that's one of the places we can go nonstop. Yeah. She (laughs) and my number one son will be uh, attending the Taylor Swift concert this evening. Hey, now. Now, I'm jealous. Yeah. So they're going up to see... uh, That's got to be at uh, Soldier's Field, you know. She's probably got to have 100,000 people there. That's going to be ridiculous. You know, so her... her, She is, you know, a mogul of, of moguls, and she's done it all herself, and she keeps selling out these arenas. When people call me, you know, I'm sure this happens to you. People call up and say, hey, can you help me get tickets to this and that? Right, right. I now answer the phone and say, if you're calling me asking you to help get you tickets to Taylor Swift, take a flying leap. There you go. How did Junior Junior get those? Oh, he he got the VIP, man. He got in early. uh, Uh Uh-huh. So he's he's a little into her, I guess. And and, uh, so, yeah, they'll be going. They got to get there at 3 o'clock for the concert. And the concert's probably not till Sunday. Right. Like 7. Yeah, yeah. So. Speaking of being into stuff, yeah, well, you know, he's a gold medalist. I'm now a gold medalist at one of the appliance stores here in town. Are you now? My washer and dryer. And you know how important washing things for me is? Well, you use it too much. Yeah. My uh, my my towels yeah, and my sheets yeah. and you know I've got a whole little routine there uh, that I got to keep do? that stuff clean. Uh-huh. Well, it went out on me finally. Your um, agitator stopped agitating. It, well, it it, it it was making a <laughs> noise, you know, huh. and the drum inside me, the washing do, machine do that, had do, broke. Do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's an agitator. Problem. Yeah, and then you really could have had that so, fixed. So I called the hotline, the the GE hotline, and I said, hey, this is what's going on. And they said, well, tell us how it sounds. And the guy says to me, he says, well, Mm. we can send somebody out to look at it. It's $150 for them to look at it. Piece of cake. And he says, uh, it's probably between three or $500 to repair it. So that's one hundred fifty. So that's you know you five seven right, seven hundred right. bucks into this. Thing. So you said no. Well, I th- thought well you know it's an old washer dryer. I came with the house that I bought, so uh-huh. I don't know how long it's been. And I just thought I don't know seven hundred dollars into a something that's clearly you know over ten years old. Maybe it's just time to go and get a new washer and dryer. And so let me just tell they're you, coming. They're, yeah, they're coming. There it is. Well, it was it was much louder than are that. Are you getting the, are you getting the quiet one? I don't know what I'm getting. Oh. I'm getting the cheap version of uh, the stackables because oh, you know stackable. It, well, I don't. I'm, I live in a condo, so uh-huh. I've got, I don't have the side by side. I don't have all that space. Oh, there's your problem, right? There. And so now, buddy, they they have been sending me a checklist mm-hmm. of everything I've got to do. I've got to clear out the space. I yeah. have to have three inches here, three inches there. Don't all the, the vent. water, the, yeah, the, the vent, vent uh, hose thing that goes. And then you the, had uh, to buy all these extra things, hoses and and uh, things that that take the the hot air from the dryer out. Yeah. What are you uh, buying an appliance? I felt like a real person this week. Well, and that's good, and they're going to deliver it, you say, tomorrow. Sometime. Uh, I get a four-hour window. Now, I don't know when that happens. They oh, keep sending that's me. That's the worst. Yeah, that's they, the worst. That's the worst. Remember when that used to happen with the cable company? Uh, everybody. You know, you yeah, we'll be there between 10 and 4. And then at 4 o'clock, they haven't shown up. Exactly. I'm sorry. We got tied up somewhere else. Just we'll be there next a, Wednesday. It just happened to me a week ago. Really? Yes. With what? The burglar alarm people. And? Uh, what would you do about burglars during the time that you didn't have a burglar alarm? I, I got Gus, man. I'm good. Uh-huh. So why even have a burglar Well, alarm? that's an excellent question. I don't want to now, get into Now, I've that. been to your house. Gus will, like, uh, bark at the wind. He'll right. bark at a bird. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that he's yeah. as good as any burglar alarm that's I out there. couldn't agree more. Yeah. I'm convinced they hooked this thing up and it doesn't go anywhere. 
What? Well, oh, when yeah. when it goes off? Yeah, I like you know I'm gonna break into my house just to see if the cops show up. Yeah, I, you know I don't I kind of believe it's not actually hooked up, but we can't and, talk about that now. And now Michael, it's an extra thing because, for you to have to worry about because when you leave the house, it's honey, did we put on the burglar alarm? Yeah, well now you can do it from your phone apparently. So oh, it's uh, but what you can't do from your phone is go to the over. I guess you can go to the overhead door company of St. Louis Traffic Center and Captain Roger Brand. Well, it's Friday, which yeah, means Hancock and Kelly takes you all the way to 10 o'clock. Then we're joined by The Show. The Show. Chris Ranji and Amy Marks, of course, uh, who will be in studio with us. And then we've got a boogie on out of here. We will not be back with Dave Glover today, but uh, make sure you stick around for Dave Glover. And don't forget, Cardinal Baseball starts back up after two days off. Kind of strange, right? Yeah, you don't see that except for the All-Star break, typically. And I think the Cardinals now have a couple of two-day vacations. They've got two days when they're going to uh, London uh, later in the season uh, yeah. to play the Cubs for a couple of games up there. And uh, I guess that's a good idea. I don't know. It, it seems like it might throw your mojo off. Yeah, well, other teams have done it. And, uh, you know, we've uh, we, we've not been there. So it's going to be cool. I think we were supposed to be there, and then COVID canceled right. it. Uh, then we were going to be a part of that Field of Dreams game, which I think would be ultimately that would the be cool. best if the Cardinals yeah. and the Cubs could play in yeah, that, that sometime. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. But, uh, well, baseball will be back in St. Louis, and that's good. Hopefully this team will pull it together. We'll talk a little baseball later in the day. But, obviously, John, the biggest story of the week was the debt limit negotiations. We've been talking about it for the better part of four months. Uh, The president previewed it and talked about it leading into the State of the Union in January. It set up this battle. There were folks uh, both on the left and the right who uh, had concerns going in opposite directions about, you know, either cutting spending, which, you know, suddenly the Republicans are worried about again, uh, the Democrats who didn't want to see spending rolled back. Um, and uh, Joe Biden uh, had to sit down with Speaker McCarthy, um, a, a, a guy who's also finds himself in quite a vulnerable position with his own caucus. Mm-hmm. They came to a deal, um, and it passed overwhelmingly uh, with bipartisan support, this president and 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 these Republicans have continued to work in a bipartisan manner uh, following COVID, now leading into the debt ceiling. Uh, it was a productive and, and good outcome. You know, I <clears throat> I don't like to talk, Michael. Clearly. Uh, but I have, have I not for months been saying that this is precisely what was going to happen? Well, I don't think you're a genius for saying it. I think I agreed with you the whole time. But if this is going to stroke your ego, yes, I have heard you say that. For months, I've been saying it. Yeah. And what happened? They sat down. They cut some spending. They reached an agreement. They passed a bill. Now, I was surprised at the at the number of votes it got in the House and Senate. 63 votes in the Senate. Uh and, you know, that's a that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. And I think McCarthy and Biden both can take some much-deserved credit here for getting this thing over the line. Well, let's get into the politics of that because Speaker McCarthy, it's well-documented. We all remember it. It went through, what, 15 votes for him to become Speaker. Yeah. They have this new rule where if one or two of these, uh, you know, extremists stand up and say, hey, we want a new Speaker, they have to have a vote on it. Uh, the speaker did lose all of those, most of those extreme MAGA, if you will, Republicans. He had quite a few defections, as did Joe Biden. Our own Cory Bush right. uh, didn't vote for the debt ceiling. By the way, neither of our senators from the state of Missouri voted for it either. We yeah, that was interesting. Um, but, you know, Speaker McCarthy uh, did take a lot of heat for the last week or so. The president did stay silent while he was taking incoming from his own party. Um is Kevin McCarthy in a vulnerable spot now? Do do you see these uh, MAGA Republicans trying to take him out of the speakership well, now because he acquiesced yeah. to Joe Biden? There's not enough of them. Uh, but you made a very interesting observation yesterday. We were just visiting off the air about the, I think it was you. It was. Yeah. Uh, tell the people about your interesting well, observation. So what I noticed, uh, we had two defections from Missouri that I saw. One was uh, Congressman Alford from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He's a freshman Republican, kind of ran on this MAGA outcome, you know, stuff. And then our own Cory Bush, who we all know is one of these Democratic progressives, who sends to buck the the trend as it relates to, you know, following the president. Mm-hmm. Both of them are fairly junior representatives. One's a freshman, one's in our second um, uh, legislative session. And what I'm concerned about is the wise hairs. Uh, now, look at our own two senators. Our own two senators, one's in his, what, uh, second session and, and Josh Hawley and, and then Eric Schmidt in our first session. 
most of the defections came from these younger folks who are fresh to Congress and who are moving from on both sides, either further to the right and further to the left. And it was kind of the wise hairs and those who've been around there, people who also have identified as MAGA folks. I'm thinking about our own Jason Smith, yeah, the chairman of the Ways and Means. I mean, this is no shrinking violet when it comes to being a, you know, a conservative Republican and being a supporter of Donald Trump. Those folks, the wise hairs stuck with it. The the new kids, if you will, kind of went against it. And I think this may foretell what we're going to see yeah, that's, as that's Congress a- continues to change that the idea of compromise and making the system work is going to be even harder to get done. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation, and I think you may very well be onto something. However, I would I would say, uh, because of the vote and the way it turned out, nobody really had to put any pressure on folks to vote for this thing. It would have been, like, if they were around 215 votes or somewhere in there, the question is, you know, could McCarthy, or for that matter, Hakeem Jeffries, could they have found enough votes in the in their anti and the no caucus to vote for it? And we want, we don't know the answer to that because it passed so comfortably in both chambers. And so, a lot of times on votes like that, and we have so few of them that you kind of forget how the system works. But on votes like that, where something's clearly going to pass, then there's no whipping done. You're not saying, "Hey, I you got I got to have your vote on this thing." Uh, and whether those structures still hold in Congress uh, or not is, well, it, we didn't learn anything about that no, in this process. We didn't, but we did see something significant. So let's put COVID in a bucket. And we all know that during COVID, we passed a lot of stuff in a bipartisan manner, yeah. but we were also in the middle of a crisis, if you will. Um, it, leading up to that, this probably was the biggest Uh, compromise and bipartisan stuff that we've seen since the Reagan era when President Reagan um, and Tip O'Neill would sit down and find ways to uh, find the middle. Well, Joe Biden and Speaker McCarthy were able to find the middle. Um, And that's impressive uh, to me. And I think it's a badge that both of them can wear as a success. I think it's going to probably pay well better for uh, Joe Biden than it will for Speaker McCarthy because right now, from my perspective, your party just seems to be wanting to be against everything and compromise is a bad word. Well, but maybe the middle's bigger than we th- thought it was because you got 300 plus votes in the House, 63 votes in the Senate for this thing. Uh, President Biden uh, fell over yesterday. I guess you saw that. Uh, yeah, he was at uh, speaking at the Air Force Academy graduation, gave the commencement address uh, handed out a diploma to one of the, uh, what do they call them, airmen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he was moving away, there was a sandbag there. He tripped and fell. Um, even Joe, uh, even Donald Trump kind of just said, oh, boy, I hope he's okay. Um, but, you know, I, too, have had to tiptoe because we all remember that. But this brings up what the Republicans' biggest criticism of Donald Trump or of Joe Biden is, is that he is old. Now, it's interesting to me, John, that most of the MAGA Republicans are out there saying that Joe Biden Biden outfoxed Speaker McCarthy. Well, you can't have it both ways. Either this guy is old and can't do anything, old and senile, or he's really smart and cunning. I'm going to put him in the smart and cunning. And just remember, he is an 80-year-old man, and this is what happens. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. And, you know, the rigors of a campaign, although I don't know how much he's actually going to be out I think they're going to probably keep him in the Rose Garden or, or in Delaware. But, um, you know, the prospects of having an 80-something-year-old president with a vice president who a lot of people feel is not up to the job uh, of, of taking over the White House uh, is is kind of a scary proposition. And on the other side of that is Donald Trump, which for a lot of people is a scary proposition. So I, I'm very concerned about this particular race for the White House in that, uh, you know, I don't know that we're going to have choices that any of us find particularly appealing or that many of us. Well, I find Joe Biden appealing. I mean, look, we just saw it. We just saw what it happens when you have somebody who has institutional knowledge. They're able to go out and work it. Not many presidents would have been able to. Donald Trump surely wouldn't have been able to keep his mouth shut for the week that uh, that Joe Biden took all the incoming from all of his internal folks on the Democratic side and the Republicans. Had he opened his mouth and said, hey, look, I pulled this off, I think we would have seen the middle shrink. Uh, And I think that was a productive outcome. We've got to get into a couple of local things. There was some more presidential stuff we could have gotten into. But as time's running out, Gabe Gore has taken over the circuit attorney's office. Uh, He was sworn in earlier this week. 
Uh, he has started to pull the band back together, if you will, uh, John. He's brought back a lot of the institutional folks who've worked inside that a office. A lot of the people who recently resigned because of Kim Gardner. Yeah, and are, one, they're coming back. And one person he brought back was Mary Pat Carl, a lady that I have worked for twice to, in her efforts to beat uh, Kim Gardner. Uh, Mary Pat getting to finally say, I told you so. I mean, she had said in both two campaigns. That, that this lady's not up for it, uh, that people are buying into a narrative and not buying right. into truly moving it forward. I think Gabe Gore's doing a good thing, pulling back uh, and really resurrecting a lot of the old wise hats that have been in that office before. What's your assessment? Yeah, Marvin Teer is coming back as the chief trial assistant there uh, who had resigned, I think, in March of this year. And, yeah, Mary Pat at a senior position in Gabe Gore's operation. Now, there's still a whole lot of vacancies there that are going to need to get filled. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm very impressed so far. And I, I expected to be. I mean, Gabe Gore's a very talented attorney, uh, very bright guy. And uh, he, something he did say the other day that kind of perked my ears up is that he's, he's going to seriously consider running for that office now. Yeah. And... I think that is huge I'm, because from a, just a recruiting standpoint, to, to have the confidence that the guy that brings you in is going to stay and fight for that job, fight for your jobs, fight for that office, I think well, that will be very helpful in recruiting good talent. And I think it is in a unique spot where he's not going to really have to go out and campaign. The proof is going to be in the pudding. Just actually getting the office and the machine to run again and bring criminals to justice, I mean— we're watching the entire region try to help Gabe Gore. We've seen St. Charles County, Jefferson County, Warren County, even folks on the east side of the river who are saying, look, we can send prosecutors yep. over to help. Simply standing up this office, uh, getting the courts back working, having judges who are respectful uh, or who are respecting the office of the prosecutor because it's actually doing its job, I think is going to help make the case as to why Gabe Gore should probably retain that office. Yep. We're going to keep an eye on it for you right here at the Voice of St. Louis. An action-packed program coming up today. We're going to visit about crime in the city of St. Louis. We've got the world's smartest man. Is there life out there, Michael, uh, out in the space somewhere? Ray, Dr. Ray Ardvidsson is going to join us today. We're going to have a little fun, too. Uh, stick around, Michael. Michael Kelly and John Hancock. We got Drew working the board back there doing a splendid, splendid job. And we will see you right around the corner after the news on America's greatest radio station, the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, it's going to be hot and sticky out there to this week, and and uh, if you're going to be weathering uh, the storm here in St. Louis, you know, just stay in the air conditioner. Keep it tuned to KMOX. You can listen to us on the Odyssey uh, app. You can listen to us on, what is it, 98.7 yeah, or on like 1120 yeah. KMOX. It's Hancock and Kelly in for our Friday gig, and John, we, we spent a little time uh, in our last segment, talking about uh, the really positive outcomes that are coming as a result of Gabe Gore. Uh, but that's just one component of the crime situation exactly. that we find ourselves in here in the city of St. Louis. And uh, KMOX broadcasts out of the Park Pacific building here in downtown St. Louis. Between us is a park, uh, the Veterans Memorial or the World War Memorial right here. Right. Uh, and as well, there's a, a firefighter memorial that's there. And then right on the other side of us, just to the south, is City Hall. Between us, that park is become an open-air drug market that's well-known by anybody who's lived in downtown St. Louis, uh, that folks congregate there. There's drugs being sold. Last night, there was another shooting that took place there. Mm. Um, and this is one of the main issues that we've got to be able to tackle if we're going to stop crime. I mean, this literally is right next to City Hall, yeah. where the people in power are sitting, and they just continue to look the other way, I guess, and allow this open-air drug market to take place. If we don't find some way to make downtown uh, this particular park, down under the arch, you know, folks are afraid to get off of the riverboats. They are. Around the ballpark safe. Uh, we are never going to be able to help revitalize this region without getting this crime under control. And then it was reported by News Channel 4 uh, that uh, a couple from visiting from Glen Carbon, Illinois, they had stopped and parked outside of the Casino Queen on the east side. Parking's cheaper over there. 
<laughs> and uh, they'd spend a little time gambling. And then they were going to take the Metro uh, back to their car. And at the Metro station, some altercation occurred. Um, and the, oh, This was over here on the St. Louis yeah, side. Exactly. They come over here to to go to play karaoke or sing karaoke or something. They were at the Metro station, and they, they, they got jumped. Right. And uh, shoved. They weren't robbed. Uh, but they, he, the man was beaten severely, having his head stomped on by a group of his eyelid torn vandals, and uh, you know, fortunately, he survived it. But you know that this kind of wanton, reckless, uh, random crime is happening far, far too often, and uh, you know that having a prosecutor. A competent prosecutor with a well-functioning office isn't going to solve those underlying societal issues that we're dealing with. And the, and the only way to adequately address them is to have a police presence. But it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that these Metrolink stops uh, are hotbeds of crime and why we don't have officers in the evening at those places uh, is beyond me. Well, not only in the evening, but at all times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go to New York, you go to Chicago, you get on the trains there, there's always a police presence. You know, you're lucky to see a police officer in downtown St. Louis. Now, look, in fairness, it's not just St. Louis. It's every major city in the country that is, that is having trouble <clears throat> hiring yeah. officers. Yeah, uh, they are also seeing this huge influx of of crime that's happening uh, as a result of it, most of the cities are left of center and they're arguing that, hey, the way that we're ultimately going to fix this problem is with, uh, you know, social workers and some of the social services, which I can appreciate that argument. But to me, it seems that those types of services should be a plus plus on top of regular policing. There is an understanding in the city of St. Louis, particularly in downtown, that there is no cops you, you can drive any of these streets and you can see the black tire marks where people have have done donuts and spun out because they know, well, look, what a better place to do it. I'm here in downtown St. Louis. I can goof around. Yeah. There's going to be no consequences. <clears throat> and it's ultimately hurting the entire region. I think about our Cardinals and what's happening at Union Station. We have the one of the biggest bond houses in the country here in Stiefel in downtown St. Louis who continues to stick with downtown St. Louis. We've seen other businesses flee downtown. It just seems to me that if you have a donut problem in downtown – that spreads and ultimately is just going to continue to perpetuate itself and grow further out. I liked it better when the police had the donuts. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's just unsettling. And this couple from Glen Carbon, they said, you know, they're not coming back. Uh, they're not going to subject themselves to that oh. anymore. And how many people out there who live in Kirkwood or Webster or Chesterfield have decided that, uh, they're done with it. They're well, just done going I'm, downtown. I'll be honest. I'm a season ticket holder of the Cardinals, and it's one of my great uh, accomplishments in life. I, I always wanted to have season tickets to the Cardinals. And you do. And in the past, it's been easy to call somebody up and say, hey, John, would you like to go to the game on Tuesday night? You know what, Mike? I can't, but my daughter will go, etc. That is what I'm running into now. When I right. call and offer people tickets, they say, you know, I I, I don't feel safe or I don't feel comfortable or more importantly, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it. But my kids, I would normally be able to do it. I don't want them out there driving. And I have to tell you, I don't want my mother driving yeah. downtown yeah. by herself right? at nighttime. She loves the Cardinals. Um, and, you know, the Cardinals have done a great job with security right around that immediate ballpark. But you've got to get off the highway and drive the eight blocks into the ballpark to find your parking spot. Um, and so you can understand it's a legitimate concern. And, you know, the Cardinals, the arch, the, uh, the, the museum we have over here, what's it called? The, 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 the city museum. Those are huge draws to St. Louis. But this stories of, of what's happening is not just staying here. So people who are coming in from Glen Carbon or maybe Joplin wanting to go to the big city and hang out, they're not doing it because they're afraid. And by the way, I think they're somewhat justified. Yeah, I, I can't argue with them. Uh, no question about that. And, you know, it's just um, it, it's just really sad to, to see because this, this is a great city. And uh, – uh, historically significant city. One of the problems, too, that we have is that the crime statistics that get reported out of St. Louis because 
of our geography. This is a small city in terms of geography, and now it's emptying out in terms of population. We're well under 300,000 people now in the city of St. Louis. So all of the crime statistics that get reported out are based on those city boundaries, and it makes the crime problem comparatively look much, much worse than it is in these other cities. We have callers on the phone. How about that? Let's go to Dorothy. Dorothy, you're on X. Well, first of all, why don't you talk about the mayor and the president of the aldermen? They want to defund the police. That's correct. That's all they talk about. It's terrible. It is, Dorothy. And, and yeah, we have we have definitely talked about that. And, uh, you know, the, the the police did finally get a raise, which was uh, much needed and hopefully will help us to recruit. But, uh, oh, you make a good point. Thanks for joining us this morning. Let's go to Robert. Robert, you're on KMOX. Welcome aboard. Good morning. Calling from Orlando. Come back home to St. Louis often. And I can tell you the reputation St. Louis has when I tell people I'm going home. It's horrible. Yeah. People are just, like, shocked I want to go back. And several years ago, uh, playoff game, Cardinal playoff game, coming home, road Metrolink, and I can tell you the element that got on with all the Cardinal fans leaving was quite scary and not no law enforcement in sight from end to end. And, yeah, I, mean, and I don't was, understand that, that point, Robert. Never I, again. Yeah, never again. I, I wouldn't write it. Um, and, and I don't understand that because a police presence is going to shut much of that, if not all of it, down. Just the, the presence there. Uh, thanks so much for your call. How's the weather in Orlando today? Well, it's a little humid, but I can tell you when I called the Cardinals, they didn't seem to care. <laughs> and Metrolink said, well, we can get cameras, but they're hard drives on the trains. We can't see them live. Wow. Well, thanks for your call. That's disturbing. Uh, let's go to Gary. Gary, you've got the last word on this topic. Gentlemen, what hey. are you going to do about that crime downtown? I don't Gary know, Gary. the trust guy. Uh, Gary, the trust man, he's one of the great trust deliverers in the entire country, and he's calling into you this know, very program. You guys have hit the nail right on the head as usual, but it is because we would love to come down and hit a game and a few other things, and I think you're exactly right. You, It's not that they can't protect the ball diamond and ballpark village and around there, but you still got to get to your car right. and get to places where people can hide. And you don't know if you're just going to get robbed. You don't know if you're going to get shot. And God forbid, if you actually are legally allowed to carry a weapon, because I'm from Illinois, it has to be concealed. Um, if you defend yourself, the good lawyer is going to make sure you go to jail. Gary, you, you've so, been a regular caller into us, and we're well aware that you live in central Illinois. You also yeah. uh, run trusses all around the entire Midwest here. Uh, not that this is an excuse, but you, you have the same feelings when you go rolling into downtown Chicago or in Indianapolis as you do when it comes to St. Louis, because crime seems to be an issue in every major metropolitan area now. You know what? I haven't been to Chicago. I don't do over the road. Our t we usually get into the edge of Indiana. We're all through Illinois. We get down to Missouri a lot because of our company owning the stores that they own. Um, I haven't been up to Chicago. I've been up Harlan Avenue because I used to deliver to the state of Illinois uh, some of their transportation centers for the company that we built their bases for signs. You hit a sign, it breaks away, and they put these bases back on, so you your way you go. So we delivered to the DOT places. I go up Chicago, Harlem Avenue. I never had an issue. I never had a problem. We stayed downtown for one of the companies that had a hotel down there and they would let their employees stay at this place or the condo or whatever it was. And you would stay down there by the water that runs through there that they turn green and stuff. And I never really, we walked to the Navy pier, but that was back. Um, that was probably back in the, 2000s? Yeah, and it's gotten worse. Hey, Gary, have yourself a great weekend. Thanks for calling. As always, we appreciate it. When we come back, Michael, yes, sir. the the Surgeon General of the United States uh, came out with a pronouncement uh, last month and saying uh, about the dangers of social media with young children. Our guest is going to be Mitch Princeton, a PhD, a Chief Science Officer of the American Psychological Association. We're going to talk about uh, the real harm that can come with your kids using social media too much. That's next on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, as you know, or you may not know, but my daughter is a therapist. I took her to the airport this morning and she was telling me about uh, 
an advisory that came out from the United States uh, Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, uh, late last month about the dangers of social media in, in young people. And the advisory goes on to talk about uh, the need for these platforms and parents and creators to do a much better job of monitoring uh, the, both the time and the content that their children are consuming on these various platforms. Joining us to discuss this advisory is Dr. Mitch Princeton, Ph.D. He's the chief science officer uh, for the American Psychological Association. Dr. Princeton, welcome to KMOX. And uh, what kinds of things are in this advisory that folks need to know? Well, we have enough research now to demonstrate that there are some ways social media can be helpful and some ways that it might be harmful. So we need to be paying attention, lawmakers, tech companies, parents, educators, and teens themselves all have things they can be doing to make sure they're getting the best possible social media experience. Yeah, and as it rela- are we seeing differences uh, as it relates to young boys and young girls? Is there it affecting them both equally, and how does it affect them? Well, we're seeing different things, uh, but a lot of them are affecting boys and girls. A few things that are particularly important. One is probably most important is the way that there might be a relationship between social media use and kids developing brains. And this is the second most important time in our lives for how the brain develops after the first year of life. Um, A brain is reorganizing. It's becoming more of an adult brain. And the time we spend on social media, if it interferes with sleep, Um, that's going to change the size of adolescent brains and also how the brain works. We're also seeing that social media, the likes and the the artificial intelligence is actually changing how our brain responds to what we see in ways that might change how the brain develops during those critical adolescent years. Um, What's the average time that young people are spending on social media in a day? And is there a standard that a parent should be saying, I mean, they can't keep this stuff from their kids, but could they limit it? And what would be that time limit? Yeah, the amount of time the kids are spending right now is way too much. Um, You know, we have one study that demonstrates the kids were spending on average, average eight hours a day, which sounds crazy if you don't remember that they're doing that usually for three, four hours at night when they should be asleep. And they're probably multitasking while they're sitting at the dinner table, too. Um, We don't have an exact number that we're offering. And the reason why is because it totally depends on what you're doing on social media. If you are reading the news and talking with your friends and developing relationships, you could probably spend a lot of time on there and be okay. But if you're just trying to get likes and followers and being directed towards pretty negative content, then, you know, we really want to limit that as much as possible. Dr. Mitch Princeton joins us. He's the chief science officer for the American Psychological Association. He joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Some of the content that's out there, doctor, uh, the violence that is seen, you know, some of some of these, you know, mass shooters who record their grisly deeds, put them on TikTok, and kids have access to some of that stuff. That's got to be destabilizing for society. It absolutely is. I mean, the polarization that's being magnified is a concern as well. But what a lot of parents don't realize is that about 50 percent of kids tell us that by the end of high school, they've already been directed to one or more sites that teach them how to either cut themselves or engage in anorexia like behaviors and specifically encourage them to do so and encourage them to conceal that from their parents. And they teach them how to do that. And that's obviously really concerning. No question. And and there's a lot of problem with body image. Uh, People get, you know, ridiculed for their body image. Depression ensues from that. A lot of anxiety in youth. And and so much of that is driven uh, by some of these social media sites. That's right. And it's one of the reasons why, rather than giving a specific amount of time or giving a specific age, we're recommending that just like, we give kids a driver's license, but only after, at a certain age, but only after they've demonstrated competence on how to use a car safely, that we let kids on social media after they've learned social media literacy that helps them to know what to avoid, what are the risks, what are the mistakes they might make so they can be safe when they're on these platforms. Yeah, and you think about the peer pressure of folks who, you know, their friends may be on social media. 
their parents are limiting their social media, but there's mom and dad sitting scrolling social media at nighttime, and kids think, well, what's good for me is not good for you. Uh, parents need to set an example by doing it themselves. You know, every talk that we give to a group of parents about their kids, some smart parent raises their hand and says, actually, I think a lot of this applies to me, too. And I think my kids are watching me do some of these things. And we're always glad when there's that awareness, because the research does suggest that kids learn a lot of this behavior from their parents. Yeah. And how much of a problem is it where the, the communication breakdowns, which are natural as kids are you know, trying to exert their independence, but the communication breakdowns where kids and parents aren't even talking about some of the disturbing things that the kids may be exposed to. That's got to be just a a very nasty little Petri dish there to create all kinds of ill. Yeah. In science, uh, we refer to it as technoference, which is the idea that kids feel that their parents are paying attention to their phones at times that kids want them to be paying attention to, to them, to the kids. Um, And it is something that kids are noticing and we all fall prey to. We need to be aware that in some cases we are controlling our devices and our social media, but in other cases it's controlling us. And we have to start imposing some limits on how much we let machines make social decision choices for us now. If a parent's looking for information and resources on what they ought to be doing, do you uh, have a place where they can go and find that? APA.org, our American Psychological Association website now has uh, two pieces written directly for parents with some conversation starters between them and their kids and some very helpful, easy tips to get things started. We want to thank Dr. Mitch Prinstein, Ph.D., Chief Science Officer of the American Psychological Association, for being our guest. When we return, Michael, we're going to be joined by the smartest man in the world. Is there life out there, maybe? Is there UFOs uh, buzzing around out in the space? Dr. Ray Arbitson is going to join us, and that's next on KMOX. KMOX News Time is 928, brought to you by Jerry Kelly Heating and Cooling. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. KMOX Radio in St. Louis, in our unending quest to inform educate and to enrich our vast listening audience is pleased once again to welcome one of our era's most erudite esteemed and enlightened educators this or any city has ever produced you know him as dr ray arbiton recently retired james s mcdonald distinguished professor of earth and planetary sciences at washington university we know him as the smartest man in the world today We continue our dialogue with a man known for his contributions to NASA, including as Deputy Director of the Mars Exploration Rovers. He has received three NASA Public Service Medals and was awarded the prestigious Whipple Award from the Geological Society of America. The Whipple Award, of course, given to the scientist who best squeezes the Charmin. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) please welcome Dr. Ray Arvidsson. Hi, Doc. How are you? Good morning, guys. By the way, I'm good. I'm actually getting a fourth public service medal uh, in August, which was really an honor. Congratulations. Well, that's how is retirement? Retirement is busy. I mean, I'm I'm talking to you guys and and I'm doing gardening. I'm I'm still doing a little research. It's it's better um, than I ever thought. A whole lot of fun. And of course, I get more more time with my wife. Are you done completely then driving the rover? Because we know you as the driver of the rover there in your NASCAR gear. Uh, are you are you done with that? I am, I am so done that they took away my driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Well, Doc, the reason I wanted to have you on, I'm sure you saw it earlier this week. NASA came out, and they've put together a commission. Uh, they get, uh, you know, several hundred UFO sightings a month. Almost all of them can be explained. Uh, but there's 2 to 5% of them that NASA says they can't explain. Uh, number one, do you believe in UFOs? Number two, have you seen one? And do you think that they uh, that something's out there that's maybe making UFOs? Well, the, the NASA committee did a two, good thing. First of all, um, they renamed them Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena because they may not be flying, right? So they also, anything that they do is in the public domain. So... 
all the data that they're collecting will be made available. And they've, they've gone through with really good scientific method. And some of the tiny, tiny fraction can't be explained. But gosh, you know, John, sometimes they're planets like Mercury or Venus. Sometimes they're stars like Sirius, which is the brightest star in our, our visible universe. Sometimes they're balloons. Sometimes they're drones. Sometimes they're spacecraft in orbit like Starlink from Elon Musk or, or the International Space Station. Then there are also atmospheric phenomena, sun dogs. Sun dogs are little bright dots on either side of the sun due to scattering in the, of ice in the atmosphere. So there is a tiny, tiny fraction that they can't explain. The issue is the data are not good enough to figure out what they are. So uh, I'm going back, let me say one more thing. My, my colleague, Carl Sagan, before he died, said, you know, if you want make, to make an incredible discovery or an announcement, you need an incredible amount of evidence. And that just doesn't exist to say that there's something up there that's alien, that's intelligent, that's visiting the Earth. It's unfortunate, you know, that the members of the committee, and I know a couple of them, are getting all sorts of emails saying they're covering things up and they're conspiracy theorists. These folks are doing it the right way. I mean, they're going into the data and making a, a very objective set of classifications and analyses. It's unfortunate, you know, the conspiracy theorists are up and saying, but aliens have been on the earth for a thousand years. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and that's uh, that's just it. I mean, you, you've got people out there who believe all kinds of things. and But your point is that this commission is going to get to the facts, and if there are facts, we'll, we'll know them. That's right, and all in the public domain. This is not the Defense Department, you know, where they're doing secret stuff. Everything, and this goes back to the creation of NASA um, in the Eisenhower administration, everything NASA collects is in the public domain by definition. So they don't get into classified materials. So, you know, the folks can take anybody you know, when this is all published, can look at the, the data they're collecting and make their own decisions um, rather than just saying aliens have been with us and we know that. All right, going to switch gears on you. I was scrolling social media earlier this week and they were talking about the amount of space junk that uh, exists outside of our atmosphere that we've put up there that's revolving. And it, this particular thing showed, you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces of stuff. Uh, I'm bet you've helped contribute put some of that stuff up there. How, how much of how much of that is a problem for us as we are continuing to explore space um, that we've got to avoid all this you know junk, if you will? And is there a way to ever clean it up? I don't know about cleanup, but it is a problem. I mean, the International Space Station's had to change orbit a couple times, or more than a couple times. Because the Defense Department actually tracks all this space junk. And there's a lot of it, right? Because it's not only us, but, <coughs> excuse me, other countries putting things into orbit and then leaving this, the Earth or, or being in Earth orbit. And there's just a lot of debris up there. So it's unlikely you're going to get hit. But um, you have to watch. And sometimes um, you need to make sure if you're a big object that you get out of the way by changing the, the altitude of the orbit. The speed of the space station, is it, it's kind of visible in the sky right about now. Is that right? I'm not exactly sure now, but there are, there are various apps that you can get to track it. And it's visible every, depending on how, how much you want to look off to the horizon and whether or not you're in the woods. But sometimes it's kind of overhead. Sometimes it's just coming up for a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. I'm, I'm not sure about today. Um, we're all watching Elon Musk uh, put these rockets into space, but he's also working on the rocket that's going to send us back to the moon. Um, number one, what's taken us so long? And, you know, don't we already have the technology? And when are we going to see somebody back on the moon? I think somebody's going back to the moon just in a couple of years, and it will be on the space launch system, uh, which has been up and it's traveled. That's that's the new launcher for for heavy loads. So NASA's doing it. <clears throat> the SpaceX is trying to get their really heavy lifter working. It's it's a complicated problem uh, because it has a lot of parts. What what Elon Musk wants to do is actually go to Mars. 
and send people to Mars. And that's going to take a while. But that's his, I think, ultimate objective for SpaceX. So likewise for, for NASA, but NASA is doing it with a couple free astronauts, you know, for exploration and science. Whereas Elon Musk, I think, wants to colonize Mars. I wouldn't go. It's a cold, dangerous place. There's no vegetation. There may or may not be life, but there is life. It's microbial. I'm, I'm not a colonist. What's the, uh, protect the Earth what's, the, what's the flight time to Mars? It's six months, unless you have propulsion to keep you going faster, which we don't have right now. Wow, it's probably hard to get a crew in there, you know, serving the drinks. and, and That's a long flight. That's right. So we Let haven't showers. We haven't been to the moon in my lifetime, yet we've been there. And everybody tells me the reason why is it's so complicated for us to get back there. Why? Why is it so hard for us to do something we've already done? So there was a national commitment to go to the moon back in the 60s under Kennedy's administration and Johnson and a little bit with Nixon. And it, it took the the focused resources of NASA and industry to get us there. And then after that, there was kind of a a lapse in direction for NASA. And then we went to the space shuttle uh, and never really went beyond that with the International Space Station. So beginning, you know, back with the Republican administrations, then Obama, and now with Biden, there's a focus to actually get back to the moon. But for a while, we lost the capability you know, with the Saturn V gone, that's what lifted the astronauts up to go to the moon eventually. Uh, now we have the space launch system, which is the vehicle that's needed to get the heavy stuff to go to the moon. So we're back in the in the action, and we better be, because the Chinese and the Russians are, are doing it independently. We're doing it with a lot of other nations. So we're, we're going back. We're going back to be there in a sustained way as a stepping stone to go to Mars. Dr. Ray Arvidson has been our guest. You know him as the smartest man in the world. If you, if people want to see you, read about you, or uh, hear you talk somewhere, you doing anything? Oh gosh, um, my next time will be in Iceland in July uh, on a on a Viking cruise ship. Uh, other than that, I don't have anything scheduled. But I, I, you know, my my email is there if you Google me, and I'd be happy to you know, answer questions as needed. I just don't want to hear about aliens being on the surface of the Earth for right. thousands of years. Well, don't years. give your email address out then. And uh, <laughs> we, we can always hear him on with Hancock and Kelly. Doctor, as long as you're we willing to do it, we want to keep we having you on. Sounds good. Have a good weekend, sir. Okay. Bye. And we step aside for just a very brief moment, and we'll come back and wrap things up on Hancock and Kelly here on The Voice of St. Louis, X. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insterity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. You got uh, time with uh, Little Tula this weekend? Uh, I'm sure we will, yeah. Well, uh, here's something that will make you cool. All right. Snoop Dogg. You know what? who this, the DO double G, Snoop Dogg? The rap singer guy? The rap singer. Yeah. He's got his own child's uh, music what? out right now that your your granddaughter can learn from. Listen to this. From Snoopy Dog? Snoop Dog. How's it going? It's your top dog, Bow Whizzle here. And we got all our special friends to come and sing the ABCs with us. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. See that? Snoop. Now, talk about a guy whose life has come full circle, right? He, wow. he grows up on the streets of Compton singing about shooting things and, you know, and drugs and blah, 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 and yeah. drinking gin and juice. And that's uh, and then, he made a lot of money singing that stuff. Then he evolves into this, like, cult hero as it relates to marijuana with, um, with uh, Willie Nelson. Then he makes teams up with uh, Martha Stewart, and they're making brownies together. And now... You can take them to Little Tula and play, uh, you know, it's better than Sesame Street stuff. And you can have the D-O-double-G helping educate your little ones. Yeah, I don't don't know about the the rap singing dog. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with, uh, who's who's the gal she watches now? Uh, Miss uh, Rachel. Oh, Rachel? Miss Rachel, I think it is, or Miss something or other. Are you into Blue yet? Bluey? No, 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 no. She she gets very little screen time. Yeah. Um, And... You know, she's boy, she's so precious. I just saw her this well, morning. Mm. The screens have taken over our life. I'm glad you brought that up. But I, I get the paper delivered on a Sunday. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Post-Dispatch. Post-Dispatch. There and there's it not much of it left. Uh, but when I went through it, you know what's still in the paper? What's that? Classified ads. Oh, of course, yeah. How? Well, you, you just talked about screen time and selling things on Facebook and all these other places. How are classified ads still a thing? You never know what you're going to find in there, Michael. It's, uh, you know, it's like an ever-opening flower. You get you get the classified ad there. Somebody's written up there about their whatever it is they're trying to sell. But I, I, I just can't imagine that there are people that are still writing up classified ads and there are still people who are going to the hard paper to look for stuff. Well, there are because they wouldn't be selling them if they weren't. Have you looked at classified ads recently? Looked at them just last Sunday. Yeah, would you Would you uh, see anything you were interested uh, in? No, I did New not. lawnmower or I something? Have some cars out there. You know, yeah. But, um, no, but the, the other thing, of course, in the Sunday paper is that's the best obituary oh. day. Oh. And because everybody puts their obituaries in the Sunday. And you play a game with the obituaries. Yeah, it's not going well. So it's my plus or minus uh, game. How's that work? And so if I read the obituaries and don't know anybody in there, that's a plus day. And if I know somebody, it's a minus one or a minus two or anyway, minus two last Sunday. Really? Yeah. That's not a good thing. And people who I hadn't heard had had passed away. Do you think there's going to come a time in my life where I'm going to be excited to look at the obituaries like you well, do? Well, you're never excited to look at them. But, but the, you you make a habit of it. Well, you got you got to know what's going Don't on Don't you just get there. a text message and somebody says, hey, Billy died? Well, sometimes. But, I mean, you never know when you're going to run into somebody. You're out there shopping and it's, oh, it's my old neighbor from 25 years ago. And you say, oh, how's George doing? Well, he died last week. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's why you got to you gotta find out what's going on. Well, there you go. Hey, the Cardinals come back tonight, a 6.05 start time. They're in Pittsburgh. Jack Flaherty goes to the mound this evening. He looked good his last time out. He did look good. How are you feeling about this team? Do you think there's a way we can crawl back to 500 and maybe even still win this division? Uh, yo, I think there's a very good chance that we win the division because the division stinks. Uh, it's going to take a while to get to 500. Now, you got these three games in Pittsburgh, and then we go to play a very good Texas Ranger ball club. Uh, Flaherty and Michaelis you know, have been looking good. The rest of the rotation, not so much. And you're going to have to rattle off three out of four, four out of five on a consistent basis to do that. And you don't do that without starting pitchers. Now, uh, we've got our young uh, superstar to be, hopefully, Jordan Walker has been recalled. And he'll be, I'm sure, in the lineup tonight. They're not going to call him up and not use him. And I guess Newt Barr is still nursing whatever happened with his back. So, um None of the three outfielders that we expected to start the season are playing right now. Your the trade deadline is is approaching us. So yeah. so is Flag Day, and Mike uh, Claiborne always says Flag Day tells you whether or not you got a team. You anticipate we'll be buyers or sellers. Oh, we'll be buyers. I just don't know what there's going to be to buy. I don't see a, a top line ace being available. And so do you go pick up another three starter or four starter? I don't know. I'd almost rather see him go out and get some good established late inning bullpen arms because it's clear that you this bullpen is going to get taxed and worked and worked and worked regardless of what happens with the starting pitching. And we're going to need to have some additional bullpen arms, I think. He's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. We're going to stick around and hang out with Amy and Chris for a little while. Don't forget you can see us on Sunday mornings at Fox 2 at 8.30 for Hancock and Kelly, the TV show. Yep, want to thank Drew for doing a fine job. As always, Frank Ladd, a sterling job producing this program. John Hancock and Michael Kelly will be back next week. We'll be back next hour right here on KMOX.